Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The Incomparable, number 670, June 2023. Welcome, everybody, to The Incomparable Mothership. I'm Chip Sutterth, and I am pleased to be your guest host for a little trip down memory lane for the first three, only three, last three seasons of one uh, television show called Ted Lasso. The family we make along the way. And most... I'm Ted Lasso. Uh, This is Coach (gasps) Beard here. Oh! God, you're the new manager. Yes, sir. I didn't look, Dick, all the grass. Oh, no, we just that, had it that's cut. Nice. I can go through the garbage if you want. I can get you some more. Uh, that's all right. No, no need. Yeah, you and the little guy got to get on over here. Come check it out. But you know what I say? <sighs> but I, but I, that's what I'm doing, though. I'm giving you that space. I do not expect you all to do this, but I hope you understand why we as Nigerians must... Want me to tape? What do you think you're doing? Retainment, man. But we're the same kid. But I have a secret. I make myself big. Before I go into the room, I find somewhere private. I stand up on my tiptoes, put my arms in the air, and make myself as big as possible. To feel my own power. Like this. <clears throat> Hello, coach. Really glad you decided. Shut up. Just shut up. You had me a coach. I've been to Vegas many times. One night is good. Two nights is perfect. Three is too many. Ted is a man. Just a man. And as for the fragility of life, I'm so glad someone finally asked. Because, yeah, I got a few thoughts. To the family we're born with and to the family we make along the way. And most importantly, to Richmond! Hey, don't worry about all that, okay? What do we say, huh? Be a And that was three years worth, um, stretched out a fair bit, of Ted Lasso. Uh, Joining me for this uh, discussion of uh, where it started and how it ended uh, a veritable cornucopia of uh, footballers, uh, I've got Kathy Campbell here with me. Hi, Kathy. Hello. Let's invade France together. James Thompson. Hello. Hello. uh, All human beings are opposed to the laugh police. Shannon Sutterth, hello. Uh, here, representing some of the boss-ass bitches. And Aline Sims, hello. Jamie Tart. Oh, man. Uh, I have been looking forward to this conversation for a couple of weeks now. Um, 
Ted Lasso hit in the middle of the pandemic and it blew up. Um, I And there aren't a lot of shows that prompt our Lord and Master Jamie, Jason Snell to um, start up a, a Flashcast series um, uh, on the on the TV uh, on the TV feed. No, it wasn't even on the TV feed. It was its own thing. Football yeah. is life. Yeah. Um, there aren't a lot of shows that prompt that. Uh, so it was really big, really influential, put a Apple TV genuinely on the map. And then there was another season and then there was another season. And. Watching the show and experiencing the show sort of became a little more complex as it went on. So, um, you know, we were going episode by episode throughout all three seasons. Uh, but now we get the chance to sort of look back on it and say, you know, was it all of that? What worked? What didn't work? And um, and just how the show changed from season one to season two to season three. So in the traditional of Jason Snell affiliated podcasts, I wanted to ask if anybody had an opening statement. I think my statement is I don't get people who particularly hated this season and the last season. I've seen a number of reviews of the show. There was a Guardian review a few that, weeks ago. That Guardian review was savage. And I... I Ill-informed. That's the word I, you're looking for. I don't get what what, what show these people were watching because it's not the show that I was watching. You know, <laughs> there, there was, you know, okay, yeah, there was some stuff in this last season that didn't land quite as well. But the highs were still superb. I mean, this is like a whole load of actors and writers at their absolute top of their game. And, you know, all of these people, if they go off and do other shows... Uh, and we don't get any more of this, I will go and watch these people in other things. Because, like, you know, like, just about every single person in the cast is fantastic. Um, and, yeah, this this show to me was, like, as you said, it hit exactly at the right point. Uh, well, right point, you know, like, the world was terrible. But, you know, we <laughs> uh, season one was just so perfectly timed that we... It was this absolute comfort watch. And then season two and season three were far more complex and, you know, much longer episodes and much deeper and looking at older stuff. But I think that just kind of reflects how we all were. Like, you know, we wanted the fluff and the the the, the happy thing. Uh, and then we wanted to think slightly deeper about stuff. And to me, this series is like one of the all-time greats. So Shannon interjected uh, and said that the critics were were ill-informed, um, and I, that might go a little too far for me. Kathy, what were you about to say? I was just going to say, I can see how people, I don't understand it deeply because I, I loved all the seasons, but I can see and kind of understand why people didn't like season two or season three. Uh, mainly because, A, they're not ready to think deeper, uh, <laughs> and B, because they are comparing it to season one, whereas the lowest points in season three, <laughs> excuse me, um, a little something in my, in my throat there, um, are still so much better and more purposeful than so many other shows that have come out. And I think it's it's easy for people to say, oh, I hate this because it's not what I was expecting. 
Whereas instead, I'm I'm choosing to look at it like, okay, why why are people initially reacting like this? And what is it about these seasons that have made people decide to, you know, oh, I'm never going to watch it again, but wait, I'm going to come and comment on every comment that people make about how terrible it I, I don't understand that side of things because that's a lot of energy to put into show that you supposedly hate but you know it's fine uh and so it will be very interesting to see where we sit a couple years from now i really hope we get a boss ass bitches uh <laughs> show yeah that's a whole other conversation that we'll have probably in the future specifically about Keely and her storyline. But as a whole, it's still a beautiful piece of television and the finale wraps it up in a way that is just glorious. It reminds me a lot of the Schitt's Creek finale where I got emotional and felt content with where it left, even if I want some more. Yeah. The, the reason I was going for ill-informed, um, Basically, I think a decent number of critics um, were looking, looking very hard for what they could tear down. Yes. Um, because, you know, the show did gain this incredible level of popularity. It has like broken records for the number of Emmys it's won. Um, and some reviewers, instead of, you know, like doing a balanced look at these things worked, these things they pulled off, these things didn't quite stick the landing. You know, some critics, unfortunately, just go for the jugular and, you know, whether it makes sense of what they're saying or not. Um, and I think that's where some of that was coming from. Um, you know, for me, it mostly landed um, as far as uh, over the seasons. I I was hesitant to to start watching um, way back in season one, mainly because of the premise of the 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 dumb American going over to um, England and and flounder um, trying to figure out how to do these things because I'm not good with secondhand embarrassment and I was expecting a lot of secondhand embarrassment um, in what they were writing. I was not expecting the writers to be as balanced and clever as they were in leading you up to some secondhand embarrassment and then tilting things. Um, that first press conference that Ted gets thrown into, um, where, he, you know, he's, you know, trying, he's trying his best. He, you know, drinks his water and discovers, oh, my God, it's got bubbles, you know, stuff like that. And just before it can get really bad, Rebecca steps in and we know that Rebecca's doing it because she is preserving her plan, her master plan that she had in season one. But still, the fact that she steps up, puts the reporters in their place, and it doesn't get too bad. Um, and that's what kept me watching was the fact that um, the, the, the fact that they were the, the writers were doing a very good job of making this comedy without making it, in my personal opinion, unbearable. And then they started developing the characters and they started developing the plot lines and they drew me in. And I, you know, by by the middle of the season, I was in. Aline, uh, any thoughts before we start digging into some of the specifics for the three seasons? No, I'm ready to dig. Let's All talk. Right. Well, well, let's dig. Uh, first thing I want to lead off with is that um, 
It's possible to make too much of this, but both between comments that Jason Sudeikis and Brendan Hunt made and the freaking window behind Rupert in season three uh, <laughs> analogies of this series and its structure to the original Star Wars trilogy have been made and I think are pretty apt. So here's my um, here, here's my opening thesis. Uh, and I we're such I, nerds. Yeah, I, I <laughs> and I think I mentioned this on one of the football is life episodes. Um, I think. You can compare season one to uh, Star Wars, the original Star Wars episode uh, and season two to The Empire Strikes Back and season three to uh, Return of the Jedi. Here's here's my thinking. Um, the first season is just really pure. And on some levels, I feel like it's almost it's almost flawless you could have even stopped if they hadn't been picked up for successive seasons you know um you, that would have been a satisfying show i think in and of itself and then season two it gets more complicated and you see you see ted's demons laid bare you see characters wrestling with stuff and then i think Season three gets a little simpler. And I'm, I'm saying that because you have characters having um, deep conflicts in the first season, the second season, just sort of on the screen. And then a lot of the stuff that happens in season three happens off screen. And they chose to spend more time on the reactions to the things than the things themselves. The most obvious example of that being, uh, you know, Ted's decision to leave happens in between season 11, I mean, episode 11 and episode 12. Um, so um, as far as how the show changed from season one to season two to season three, uh, A, what do you think of my analogy? How tortured did I make it? Um, and <laughs> B, how did you feel the show's arc uh, hung together from uh, season one, season two, season three? Uh, Aline, got any thoughts on that? I think by and large, it was what they needed to do for for the three season run. Um, If they had planned on a longer run, I don't think it would have been as satisfying. And I think that it had to follow this arc so that the audience would be invested, especially those of us who do not follow soccer slash football. Um, like mm -hmm. it, we had to learn a little bit with Ted, right? Um, I think that that was very intentional. Like if you're targeting an American audience, a lot of people follow soccer. Like it is definitely a sport here, but not as much as like football, baseball. So they had to kind of take us along for those teachable moments. They had to end the season, the underdogs. It wouldn't have been emotionally satisfying. Again, with the three series arc in mind, it wouldn't have been as satisfying if they had like come out on top every season. It would have just been like, oh yeah, like of course they won. And so I appreciated that they kind of took us along this journey of team building and learning and self-improvement because it's not at its heart, as has been discussed, it's not a show about soccer. It's a show about 
Um, I mean, it's a workplace comedy, but it's also just it's a show about growth. And I, I, I appreciate they, they plotted it out so that we could grow along with the characters in the team. Yeah, I, I agree. Exactly. And I think, you know, that the, the, the soccer analogy of, you know, you win some, you lose some, but, you know, and sometimes working- you tie. And sometimes you tie and, and <laughs> but steadily, you know, ideally, you're getting better each season, you're getting better each game um, is, you know, reflected in the character arcs, you know, it parallels very nicely, because we see these characters, um, you know, c- struggling through conflicts, um, hitting low points, getting, you know, getting better, and then maybe there's a valley, and then the, then it starts going up again, you know, Ted's um, battles with his his panic attacks and his struggle to accept Dr. Sharon's help. You know, he you know, that's a huge first step for him to say, finally, OK, yeah, Doc, I need an appointment. And then he spends the next episode or two dodging her or, you know, or or slamming the door because he's not ready to do it until he finally, you know, finds it in himself to start to opening up and talking to her. And then, you know, there's more improvement. Um, you know, Nate um, in season three, after, you know, going down this deep valley of um, letting himself and his insecurities ruin what he had at Richmond, um, and then back and forth, finding his way gradually back to them. Um, you know, every time we thought he's okay, finally, he's going to talk to Ted, or finally, he's going to do the right thing. And then, you know, Rupert steps up, like like that, you know, shadowy bat on his shoulder, mm-hmm. the, the, the little mm-hmm. devil, um, the, to pull him back. But, you know, he, he eventually gets there. Um, so I, I think that there's a parallel going on uh, with the sports analogies um, and what we expect from sports and the reality of of how people react. And I think that some of the blowback um, from some people was the fact that for whatever reason, they wanted the improvement faster and sooner. They wanted to see it step by step. That's not how life works. <laughs> we We don't get to see all the steps. Yeah. And I think, too, looking at this show and trying to decipher what its purpose is obviously not every show has to have a greater you know goal in mind changing the world blah 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 it can be just entertainment but i think by having this type of greater story and these types of characters and being able to introduce non-toxic masculinity in a world to people that may not understand what toxic masculinity is without like feeling like it's an attack. We all know these types of people that you can't correct or help guide their mindset at all because they'll they'll think that you're, you know, telling them that they're a terrible person and they get angry and frustrated and shut down. Whereas this showed has brought these conversations in a safer way to help brains kind of process it a little bit better and a little bit easier. I've seen a lot of conversations online about people that have like been able to use this as a way to have conversations with other people and their families and their friends and stuff. And I think it's, it's pretty special to have something that can be 
um, supportive and safe and give these larger ideas and also be really funny. That's I, I think that's a really fascinating way to look at this show, Kathy, um, it, sort of toxic masculinity 101, which can be very frustrating for people who've already taken the course or right. who have already experienced it. This is a show. This is the writer's room is fairly diverse, I believe. But this is a show that is show run by, you know, four guys who it may be argued are sort of patting themselves on the back for being so progressive and thoughtful. Uh, but when when Nate does bad stuff and we'll talk about Nate, I'm sure, quite a bit, because that's the most controversial arc of the whole series, I think um, when Nate does really, really bad stuff before he um, betrayed Ted and even after he betrayed Ted, some of the stuff that he does on the pitch early on in season three uh, for West Ham um, to those players, you know, you kind of want to see him do the work. And I think the show demonstrates that he's or at least the show tells us that he did the work kind of off screen without actually showing him do the work. And that had to have been frustrating for some folks. I think I, 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 I've seen the tweets and the yeah, reviews. I, I think in that case, um, what had been of strength of the writers early on sort of came back to bite them slightly um, in that uh, the writers wrote um, in ways to reward audiences for paying attention. Um, constantly recycling motifs, con you know, references, um, callbacks, all of these kinds of things to help or, or to encourage the audience to pay close attention. And, you know, if you're paying close attention, you don't necessarily need every single thing spelled out for you. But they also, I, I do feel that they could have done a little more to reward the audience's paying attention by giving them some of what they hope to see. And, you know, some of it we got, some of it we didn't. So I think that is a, a valid a valid point to be made. I mean, I thought uh, the fact that some stuff happened off screen, I actually liked that as, as a mm -hmm. the way that they were doing it because it kind of like they were trusting the audience that mm -hmm. they didn't have to spell everything out. And, you know, yeah. the time was passing. You know, the whole thing was across a season of football. Uh, sorry, soccer. Um, and <laughs> it's football. Um, I think it's called series in... Look, it was... <laughs> so, I, I'm, I'm going to not translate because it's just going to get hard. Um, the, just embrace the, your Scottishness. It's fine. Yeah. I, I in One of the things I would say is like, um, despite... Uh, being British, Scottish, um, I have zero interest in football. And I like the show. I, I really enjoy the show. Um, and I started watching Welcome to Wrexham after this, mm -hmm. uh, which is the um, Ryan Reynolds, uh, Rob McElhenney buying the Welsh uh, football team. And uh, there is, tonally, there is quite a, an overlap in it um because it shows you all these different people you know who are around the the football team and you get to know them and and so i guess i like people 
and it doesn't actually <laughs> matter. Weird. Weird. Big um, if true. But I mean, the thing, the people who are complaining, you know, like, oh, the end of season two is a downer and the start of season three, you know, it's, 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 you know, everybody's in a dark place or whatever. They clearly haven't watched any trilogies ever because right? you have like, to. have you watched yeah. anything ever? <laughs> you you need to you need to start people at their lowest point uh, so that they get to the top again. I mean, it's like it's also like every romantic comedy or whatever. There needs to be a point where you're brought to the low bit, uh, so you get the 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 contrast where when you get to the high at the other end. Um, so, you know, I can see, yes, some some of the complaints, but uh I just I don't I don't understand it because the show is so clever, or I think it's clever anyway, the the way it's written. Um I, I think they they earn the you know, the people giving them sort of the thing about yes, the the you need to think a bit about it, but th- that's not a bad thing. I understand the criticism about Nate because I'm one of those people like I didn't need to be shown everything, but I do feel like they could have thrown us a couple more breadcrumbs along the way. Um, and I said this in, in the Ted Lasso podcast, Football is Life. Um, I recorded the penul- penultimate episode and like I just needed one or two more stepping stones to be fully on board with not Nate being redeemed, but his process to um, realizing that he was on a path that wasn't super great. Um, But I just, I don't understand a lot of the criticism like, like everybody else. I don't understand a lot of the criticism of uh, especially season three, because it's like, do I think they could have done things differently? Absolutely. However, I think in the end it worked. And the thing about a series like this, this is not like Star Trek, the next generation where every episode is kind of its own little capsule and it, it stands alone. There is an arc. So you can't, judge this series based on one or two episodes it's really well i mean you can obviously you can people have you shouldn't (laughs) (laughs) you shouldn't judge it based on one or two episodes because again it's not about the one or two things that happen it's about the the whole and i really as the criticism was coming in like mid-season i was like but you don't know where it's going yet and i felt like the writers and the actors had done enough in previous seasons even on the strength of season one that i was willing to trust them to Mm -hmm. bring it to a conclusion I was satisfied with. And I I think they did that. I think that they delivered. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. I think they did as well, but 
I it it's it's not it's not binary good bad for me. I do Agreed. think the I do think that the first two seasons were recognizably better yes. um from a writing standpoint than season three. Um I think that season three had a little bit too much show uh, a little bit too much telling and not enough showing and and also trying to hit a whole lot of bases hitting that, a whole lot of bases that's um, a different sport yeah uh, <laughs> point 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 um you know did we need zava i, I think we've got some I, I think we can have a conversation about that um did they need to spend as much time um you know there were a couple of points where shooting had to stop so the writing had to catch up you know i there were some changes behind the scenes there that may have affected it i think that season 1 um was just lightning in a bottle and i think that season 2 was deeper and better uh honestly and there were some people who were upset that it didn't have it wasn't the just the the hit of endorphins that season one was, uh, but season one, we were watching it in the middle of lockdown, you know, how could, yeah, how could we not, um, how could we not react so strongly to that sort of positivity? Um, I wish that season three had been more polished, but it still yeah. hit all the high points for me. One of the things I would say about um, season three is also like the episode length pretty much doubled. You know, we yeah, basically right. got, two seasons worth uh, in in the 12 episodes. And, you know, yes, there was clearly things going, uh, complications behind the scenes or whatever. But, I mean, some of the episodes, like particularly the Sunflowers episode where they are in Amsterdam, which yeah. is, I think, probably one of my favorite episodes from the whole show. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you can do that, you can't write off the entire season and, and, and say it was bad or terrible that some people yeah. have done because I think just like it's the highs that I'm seeing. Can we stay in can we stay in Amsterdam for a little bit? Because I've got a couple of clips that I want to uh show with you. And they come from that episode, which I think is possibly the best of the season. And the first one is I th I think it's Ted's turning point. The character Ted's turning point in the entire show. Uh, so this is him having a conversation with Coach Beard on the bus. Let me ask you a question here. Is this anything? The way I see it, you've been playing too rigid, you know? Our guys need freedom. Go wherever they want to go. Follow their guts, their hearts. As long as... They remember to fill in the space that someone left behind. They gotta have one another's backs, that's for sure. But, you know, it's just constant, non-stop motion. Just going from position to position until positions don't really um, even exist anymore. It's fast, fluid, free. With full support. You come up with this yourself? Yeah. Congrats. You should call it total football. Ooh, I like that. Which was invented right here in Holland in the 70s. Oh. Hmm. You think we should try it? Yes, I do. All right, cool. Total football. 
So the reason I pulled that clip out, two things. One, this is the moment where Ted really turns the dial from mediocre white man who's uh who's managed to find himself in charge of the whole darn thing and is actually um he's gotten it he's gotten football he's become uh, a a manager a, a real football manager and the other thing is all this stuff about the roles of the players on the field the flexibility the lack of rigidity you know that's that's kind of that's i think that's part of the show's mission statement right there um don't let people be uh caught in boxes um and let people be their full selves um so that's a i think that's a real key moment in the series and a key moment in season three um thoughts about ted's journey from guy almost failing up to actually having some agency and becoming the honest to god manager of the team as opposed to just the guy who makes everybody feel valued the thing I love the most about um, that entire little mini arc is that Ted gets his inspiration from yet another sport. Uh, he's watching a basketball retrospective when it hits him. Um, that that's always tickled me. Um, that you know he he pulls that he comes up with this. It turns out yes, it's a thing, but that he that he drew his inspiration from another sport. Um, I do think it's a very apt metaphor for you know what he is trying to accomplish with the team to have them play as a team to have them um, have each other's backs and support each other. Um, so I, I genuinely loved that moment as well. And the fact that, you know, that the team took them a little while to get there. But, you know, once they once they were able to um, adopt it and adopt it successfully, um, their winning picked up again. I will never feel good about the cords around people's privates piece of them <laughs> of the team getting oh, it. Yeah, but, no, no, that was yeah. freaking that, hilarious, that... but also terrifying. <laughs> yeah. James, your thoughts. Um, the thing that I come back to kind of like not not the turning point uh but uh back in season one the dart scene where Mm -hmm. he's talking about being underestimated by everybody i think that's the point where you realize that he is more than just you know the 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 idiot uh the idiot abroad who's like somehow managing to make people feel better that he does actually there's more more to him and uh, you know, I think that's the point also where Rebecca realizes that, you know, perhaps she's got this whole thing wrong. Uh, so that that scene sticks in my mind uh, mm-hmm. as the kind of the point where we start to realize that, you know, he might not know the rules at this point, but he's getting there. He doesn't need to know the rules to know how people work together. And how how they need to be working together. And I think that's the important thing about Ted as a coach and as a manager. It's not about the specifics. That's why he has the people that know the amazing things that they know. He has the ability to kind of pick from different people and different um, sources to be able to turn around and have these incredible, you know, things happen because he trusts those people team from start to finish you know ted's focus is on getting the individuals together helping those young hope helping those young men become them their best selves in order to make the best team possible 
So another another clip that I want to uh, draw out from that episode um, involves uh, Colin and Colin's story. And Colin's story is a really good arc in this season. Um, and the piece that I wanted to pull out is not the part where he talks about wishing that he could kiss his fella on the pitch uh, the same way that others uh, can. But before that, and I think it actually ties in pretty nicely to what Ted said about total football. And the club brought in Dr. Sharon. And she helped me realize that I have an ache. An ache for both my lives to be my only life. You just feel for the guy. And and you've got people all over the place in the show Ted Lasso who are trying to who are, who are trying to put themselves together, are trying to be whole, complete, healthy people. And for some of them, they take a real hard turn in the wrong direction, like Nate. Uh and then there's Colin who in the end, um has that moment that has never before happened on a Premier League pitch in real life. Um, where he does have that moment. Um, um, I think that, I think there's a lot, a lot that Ted Lasso, the show wants to say about how people should treat each other and what their sort of ideal state is. It's like, I'm, I don't know how suspicious Ted, uh, Jason Sudeikis is of therapy in real life, but this is a lot of people who've been to mindfulness retreats. Uh, it feels like who've been writing this thing. Can can we just as as we come out of that scene? Can we just shout out Trent Krim, who yes, yes. I, 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 I think is he has you know he's obviously much more of a, a main character in the season because he's embedded with the team writing the book. But I think he's one of my favorite additions uh, to this season. Just having him around and you know how how he uh, he's revealed to be gay as well, and you know he he's a sort of mentor figure to Colin um but just his presence around the the kind of like management area I think elevates the series and and he's just so good it's so freaking yeah. good yeah I I wonder how okay I have to wonder if Trent was meant to be this present in the entire series or if everyone just realized, oh my gosh, this is an incredible character. Let's figure out how to keep him around when he's no longer Trent Krim the Independent and is Trent Krim Independent and see how to build that. Like, I'm sure it probably was like partially part of the story because obviously, but I wonder if the deep, like, transcendent presence of Trent Krim in almost every episode was because he's so freaking incredible and the character himself just is a shining star. And you can't let hair like that go to waste. Ever. Right? <laughs> no. You just yeah. can't. But, but I remember like it was, I think, uh, episode three in the first season where, you know, Rebecca um, gets Trent to, you know, follow Ted for a day, you know, sort of maybe, you know, maybe it's genuine foreshadowing. <laughs> maybe they were thinking that far ahead. Um, but, you know, the fact that that was like, you know, sort of not only the first opportunity for the writers to make Trent less of a surly journalist, 
because, you know, Ted wins him over and, you know, he he writes the honest, thoughtful piece about the lasso way in that first article. And, you know, from then on, you know, his, his questions, I mean, he's still a journalist in, the, in that season and the next season, but he's also, you know, being supportive. I mean, he actually, you know, he goes to Ted about the article, you know, that he's got to write about Ted having panic attacks uh, and breaks journalistic rules in telling him that Nate was the one who who revealed it. Um, I'm I'm very glad that they found a place, whether they it had been planned all along or if it was an inspiration somewhere in the writing and planning of season three. I'm so very glad that uh, they brought him there to be this extra presence to let his reactions to things um, be a part of of the action of the of the third season as well as to be there for individuals. Sure. Um, he, in the same way that Colin's sort of looking to sort of bring different sides of himself together, you know, Trent lets go of the trappings and the negativity of being a British journalist and embeds himself in the team to write a book, um, becomes part of the, you know, he's a diamond dog. <laughs> hilariously yeah. um <laughs> yeah i mean um and that's that's part of that's part of this whole uh trend of people uh trying to become you know better better people and let's let's drop in um there's a quote uh that higgins has uh in the last episode that uh, james wanted me to pull out so let's uh play uh 12 seconds of that real quick Human beings never going to be perfect, Roy. The best we can do is to keep asking for help and accepting it when you can. And if you keep on doing that, you'll always be moving towards better. Yeah, and I, I think that that just sums up the whole show. Yeah, uh, I mean, it, it is yeah. the closest to the the summary of the arc of Ted and and everybody involved. And I, I like. Higgins is also another. There's there's all these like little side characters who are kind mm -hmm. of. I wouldn't say they're undervalued because obviously they are, but the, the, you know they're they're not like one of the, the the main sort of cast. But they come in and they drop these truth bombs, and and uh, Higgins is just such another nice because uh, initially he's he doesn't come across particularly well, you know, at the start of the first season because he's part of the the of Rupert's uh, old guard to a certain extent. Um, yeah, he he helped he helped Rupert screw over metaphorically Rebecca and then yeah. he helped Rebecca screw over Ted until he finally found his backbone. Yeah. Uh so I just like that quote and I and I and I thought it should be here. So um that is uh a short version of what ted says uh at a key moment uh in the previous episode in the penultimate one when he's talking about second chances um and uh making coach beard uh deliver of a very appropriately delivered uh expletive <sighs> you know i don't know about you coach but i hope that either all of us or none of us are judged by the actions of our weakest moments but rather by the strength we show when and if we're ever given a second chance. So um, that 
that sends Beard to Nate's flat uh, in a hilariously shot scene where we find out that a long time ago, Beard was awful to Ted. And Ted, for no particular reason, forgave him. Uh, I have seen a lot of commentary about this show's attitude towards forgiveness. Um, you know, Linda Holmes from NPR had a couple of uh, Twitter threads. It said, basically, this is not forgiveness. This is just absorbing someone else's sh-. Um, And I wonder what you all think about what this show has to say about forgiveness. Uh, we talked about that a little bit on Football is Life for uh, Season 3, Episode 11. But in the end, we see Ted just bending over to forgive Nate even before um, Nate said, I'm sorry. Uh, we've had several instances of people just being um, driven to let go of their animosity towards somebody who'd done them wrong. Um, did Ted Ma- Ted Lasso, the show, make it all look too easy or too required? I mean, some of it, Yes, you could say it's it it's a bit too easy, but this is a television show. You know, we can't exactly. show every single step. And like with Nate, the show uh, tells us enough as to why Nate is the way he is. You know, like his upbringing and and so many things. And I I didn't like Tate. I uh, didn't like Nate's fall from grace because. It was the kind of main thing in the second season, which was like not the happy, cozy, fluffy show that we knew. Um, but I appreciated them doing it. Um, I mean, it also gives you plot, of course, but you know, I appreciated <laughs> like just showing that you know uh, Ted could forgive him and and Beard could forgive him, Beard being even stronger um, against that. Uh, I also just like the the line about the loaf of meth. Uh, which <laughs> yeah, my favorite. Yeah, I mean, and that's part of the the thing is any show that you write and you want to hang on to to people's attention um, is has got to have conflict. I mean, it, happy fluffy only lasts so long before you get bored. So yes. Conflict was needed. Yes, conflict was necessary um, in order to make reconciliations and the opening of those second chances and the forgiveness all the more satisfying. Um, you know, maybe in you know, for some of us, maybe we didn't see quite enough of the um, of the climbing back up to to get to that forgiveness level, uh, to get to that acceptance level, um, but. I'm not sure I agree with Linda Holmes's stuff about, you know, absorbing, just just absorbing other people's stuff. I don't think Ted's doing that. I think, you know, Ted is giving people the opportunity to rise to his expectations, and some of them take longer than others. But, you know, at least within the three ep- three seasons we have, you know, most everybody gets there. And he doesn't. It isn't a case of Ted letting everybody walking all over him he sets and enforces boundaries it's just that he does not do that in a a way that and maybe this is part of the conversation about toxic masculinity right because he's not he's not roy kent setting boundaries by yelling and screaming and bristling at people he's setting boundaries in a very um 
I would say nice rather than kind way. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. And in in that that is maybe not a blueprint to aspire to in all cases, but I do think that you know we see Ted put Rupert in his place. We see Ted shut players down when they're getting too arrogant. We you know that we see him enforcing boundaries, and it's just not done in a way that most of us would would recognize or acknowledge right. as being. A reinforcement of that. Yeah, it's such a unique way to do it that a lot of people might not be able to identify the healthiness in it because they see it as being walked all over or like, oh, anyone can do anything and Ted will just forgive them. But there's there's something to be said about the whole thing, you know, forgive, but don't forget type of a thing and trust, but verify. And I think it's important to to have these boundaries in real life, because unlike sitcoms (laughs) and other like television shows, it doesn't all wrap up perfectly at the end of a season or even like not perfectly or whatever but human beings as a whole are flawed and constantly are going to be making mistakes and being able to use different interactions in a quote-unquote fun television show to affect how you interact with humans in real life is pretty special um and in a healthy way It's not necessarily, oh, I need to do this the Ted way so much as what would it look? How would the Kathy way be? How could I utilize this way of forgiveness and still set my boundaries to protect myself and what I need to do to thrive and be my best self, as well as how does the team whatever team I'm on as a whole work, even though I don't play football. (laughs) I think also like Ted had a whole arc in season two about, you know, just being positive all the time kind of thing. Yes. Doesn't, doesn't work, you know, doesn't fix everything. So, you know, he has to, you know, deal with himself as well, but, and, and get himself to a place where he can, you know, forgive people. So, I want to, before we get too long into this thing, I want to just take a moment and enjoy some of the simple things uh, in life, uh, whether they are thinly papered over pastiches of well-known soccer players uh, introduced in season three. One thing that you can definitely say about season three is that uh, the cast fragmented into a lot of different directions, most notably with uh, KJPR. And uh, Keeley's limit more limited interactions with the full cast. Um, but this show had a lot of uh, a lot of character arcs, a lot of places that those characters could go. And uh, let's start off with just a quick lightning round of what you thought, what your favorite character um your either your favorite characters or your favorite character storyline were for the last three seasons and then which of them you think could 
sustain maybe a spinoff. If the writer strike is ever resolved and Apple throws enough money at Sudeikis and Hunt and Kelly and say, you know, would some of you please give us some more stories with some of these characters? Which would you pick? Um, Aline, could uh, could would you be willing to go off? What was your first? Uh, who who are your favorite characters uh, of this show? And do you see them going somewhere after season three? I really love the way Jamie and Roy's relationship evolved. The Amsterdam episode just sealed the deal for me. Um, Jamie teaching Roy how to ride a bike was just like (laughs) absolutely delightful. I need to go back and watch that and put it on in the background when I'm angry or whatever. Because it it just, it cracked me up. And it's such a good, like, we get the enemies to lovers trope in romance (laughs) a lot. And just having this like enemies to grudging friends thing is, I don't know, it just did my heart heart good. Um, I've heard speculation of uh, a Roy Kent series and I don't, I don't know if I want that. I love Roy as a character. I would not want him as a friend, I don't think. Um, but I love him as a character. I love seeing him interact with his niece. Uh, there's a lot I like about him, but I am not sure that he's someone I want to have as the subject of a series. I could be persuaded in another direction for sure, but I I just can't see that. What I really want, as has been alluded to, is I want to see the Women's Football Club, um, the Richmond version of that. And I want to see Keely and Rebecca killing it with um, a, a, a women's league. I just, I think that would be amazing. I Their relationship has been... Um, like hashtag goals to date myself uh, for the entire (laughs) entire series Um, unlikely friends who just have this beautiful open communicative supportive relationship and we didn't get enough of that in season three so I really need my Rebecca and Keely fix um, for a new series because I just I think it could be really good I think that it works well with the themes of Ted Lasso, like Ted Lasso kind of being the um, like priming the pump for people talking about toxic masculinity. There's more stuff that they could tackle with a, a women's football club and a stories about a story about a women's football club. And let's face it, like women's soccer, especially in the U S but any women's sport is definitely given a uh, short shrift. So I'd, I'd love to see it be the subject of, a well-regarded series. Yes. Well, yeah. Can I just say that uh, this is not a draft, but Aline just picked <laughs> everything that I was about I to say. I agree a hundred percent. Everything so, as Aline was starting to say, it was like, dang it. Yeah, I was like, you, 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 you can't have Keely and Rebecca too. That's who I was going to pick. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, what I would say on top of all that, um, there's the line in I can't think it was the last episode or whatever where where with the title of the book and you know the lasso way becomes the Richmond way and there's the there is the line which I think has got to be pretty meta where they they say you know just change the title it was never about me so mm-hmm. I would like to put 
my prediction is because the book goes from the Lasso way to the Richmond way, the name of the spin-off series is just going to be called Richmond. AFC Richmond. <laughs> yeah. I, I agree with that. I would love to see um, more of the team uh, and how they go forward because, you know, over the three seasons, um, they there were so many of these secondary characters that, you know, they maybe didn't go through major arcs the way the top level did, but they still went through arcs. They went through growth. I mean, you know, Danny was, he started out as the human golden retriever. And in season three, he's still the human golden retriever, but we got to see him, you know, go through season two, you know, have that huge, you know, huge mistake in front of all of the uh, fans, go through the yips and find himself again. Uh, We see Isaac becoming the next captain and figuring out how leadership works. Uh, We see, you know, Colin and his storyline. Um, you know, this season, there was kind of a focus on um, on Van Damme, you know, the, the, the goalie yeah. who was just sort of a joke Zorro Zorro in season one. And he becomes this major part of season three's victories, you know, in t- to that point where he's literally a brick wall in front of that net, you know, almost all by himself as the team is playing a man down. Um I would love to see more of these characters. They're wonderful. Yeah. They gel. They they do so well together. Um, so I would be happy with that. Um, my second option is um, give it a few years. Let the writing team regroup and um, catch their breaths. And show me the second generation. Show me Nora and Henry and Phoebe. You know, Henry comes over and he plays soccer in England. You know, Nora is, you know, following in Rebecca's footsteps and learning how to be an executive. I I don't care how they do it. But, you know, those child characters were so, so good in the first three seasons. Um, You know, give me more. (laughs) I I just remembered the, the girl who's playing football in the streets. Shannon, um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, yeah, get she, her too. She's she's a, a shoe-in for the women's team. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, perfect. Uh, yes, I love that. I My biggest complaint about this season was Keely's storyline yep. and the fact that they completely just like regressed from everything that she got to do and grow and be away from a wag and be her own boss mm-hmm. and her own personality and her make her own choices to being this I don't even know what trope she became but the fact that you there were so few interactions with her and Rebecca in a way that if she had had more girl time and listened to her friends and had those moments instead of just missing her calls and like ignoring her calls and stuff, it could have been so much healthier and so much better as a whole. I, it, it was really extremely frustrating to not have Keely be as amazing as she is. And I hope that the future brings the opportunities to bring the Keeley back that we know and love. Um, You know, that moment where she's talking to Rebecca about, you know, 
losing the funding and stuff. And Rebecca's like, oh, I basically have that in cash in my purse. And it's just like this moment of, oh, I can do this without harming my friend was like wonderful because Keely did want to do it herself, but also with she wasn't really doing it herself. This whole, you know, the venture capitalism Mm -hmm. is a whole other conversation that, you know, is not this show. But I want to see, I was happy to see Keely kind of get her power back in a way that she didn't have the first, you know, three quarters of the season. And I want more of that, especially with how hard fought it was. But I did appreciate the um, her shutting down the boys who are coming oh, and yes. fighting over her. And she's just <laughs> like, uh, no, neither. Neither. I am yep. not a prize to be I, won. I, I, just I, when we're complaining, I would say I didn't like what they did with Jack and Keely because yeah. like the, the one kind of um, gay relationship that we were really saw you know, um, Jack turns out to be, you know, a Rupert-like, uh, at least in part. And I, it just really rubbed me the wrong way. You know, I was glad initially when they introduced the character and uh, Keely ended up in a relationship because I was like, yes, you go off and you go with somebody who actually appreciates you. Uh, but it turned out that that wasn't the case. And anyway, yeah. I didn't like it. I understand. And I also feel the disappointment of um Keely's arc this season however I think it is extremely realistic um and I say that as a person who is entrepreneurial and who has been going through some stuff lately and it's just <laughs> I I saw myself in Keely because she was in the situation she was in um I don't think she was in over her head but I think because of the whole way venture capitalism works. She'd ceded a lot of control of her business. She was trying to placate these people who had given her money. um, And she wasn't able to be true to herself, which Mm -hmm. in like she was when she was completely independent and starting off in PR well, in her modeling career and everything. But um, I think this is another case of just like, I don't feel like I had enough breadcrumbs to lead me to Nate's turnaround. Um, I don't necessarily think the writers gave enough breadcrumbs about Keeley's arc because I can read or put my interpretation or whatever. I think I'm reading between the lines anyway, because (laughs) it's something that I'm currently, I am currently going through the same thing that she's, that was shown for Keeley, right? Um, But a lot of people haven't experienced that. And if you've never been entrepreneurial, you've never been in a a weird workplace situation where you're stifling yourself, um, you know, whatever, I think that that doesn't necessarily follow. And it just needed more time with Rebecca so she could say, you know, it's really hard um, having VC investors because whatever, you know, just a little yeah. bit more handholding for the audience. I think that maybe the, the writers trusted us a little bit too much because 
as Shannon pointed out earlier, like previously they'd kind of like self-referenced and um, entrusted the audience to pick up on details in that way. But I think that this season they were pulling from the outside a, a little too much and trusting the audience to understand the experience a little too much. Um, I don't know, but like, I, I understand, I understand where people are coming from, not liking Keeley's arc. Um, but I also understand being right in the middle of where she was. Yeah, for, for me, as you were talking, I was thinking about how they built up her successes as she did the PR work for Richmond, um, you know, to the point where it became a point of contention between her and Roy, because Roy sees she gets the magazine spread and Roy sees, you know, just how far she's come and just how much potential she has. And for me, her trying to figure out her role leading the company, you know, felt like Keeley herself recognizing how the heck do I fulfill this potential? Um, you know, what do I do now that I have to, you know, meet all of these expectations that have been set up, you know, mm -hmm. and then, you know, things like, you know, her bringing, you know, she, she meets her friend Shandy. Shandy is somebody familiar, somebody who, you know, she grasps onto as, you know, something to, to support her. Um, and, you know, while that, hiring of Shandy turns out to be a mistake, it also helps her break the ice with Barbara. Um, yeah. You know, and Barbara eventually turns out to, you know, to be, you know, to come in as um, as her partner in in the firm at the end. So it worked more for me as far as Keeley's own story, but I would have loved, you know, it, it did take her away from the main cast too much for me. I didn't get yep. enough of interactions with everybody else. I think a, a big problem that I also saw with this whole thing was Keely didn't have the wins that we had seen her as this boss ass bitch in the past. Everything she was in over her head in these situations. That's why she called like pulled in Shandy because of that one moment at the photo shoot or filming or whatever it was where it worked out really well. And she's like, oh, I need some support. I need someone to help me do this because I can't do it myself. Whereas we don't see any successes. You don't see any of these like great interactions with clients or deals that she had had in the last two seasons, including, you know, the whole banter and and all of this stuff. All you saw was mistakes that had been made. And that I felt really minimized her skills and her journey because as she's second guessing herself, there was no wins at all. I cannot think of a something that worked out in season three from her PR firm. It was all mistakes or bad things that happened. And I think that really cheapened Keely's character for me. Because, yes, obviously, when you're running your own business as opposed to just being freelance, like, and you have staff and all of these things and make mistakes, like, yes, that's fine. I get it. But there was no. <laughs> Where was Keely's redemption? Okay, that's what that's what I want. Like, yeah, she came around and thankfully Rebecca came and and was able to help her and and all of this. But you don't see 
her succeeding in ways that we had seen her succeed in the past. And that that made it feel really not great on top of the relationships. Like what? Come on now. Yeah, I just it just made me really, really angry. And so writers, you can get my forgiveness by coming to my door and showing me the Rebecca and Keely women take over the world <laughs> show that we all deserve. I was just going to say uh, um, about Rebecca's storyline this season <laughs> with the psychic. I don't and even want to talk uh, about it. It just makes I, me I, angry. I, I, <laughs> women got screwed over in this season. That, <laughs> Sorry, that is, I'm yelling. <laughs> that is like, I've got a line in my notes, which just says basically how they treated the women in general in yeah. this season, because I, yeah. I hated that storyline with a passion and I kept waiting for them to subvert it in some way. And they didn't. I, I like, okay, I liked the Dutch pilot. He seemed good. And I, yes. you know, that whole her uh, falling in the canal and, and whatever. I like that bit. But the whole, like, you know, all the matchbook and, and, and all this, it just grated on me. And like, so the, the, that is the thing that I dislike about this season in general is how they treated the women. And I liked everything else. But change that, please. The the psychic bit, I, I agree, didn't didn't really seem to go anywhere. It's as if There's the writers no were trying to um, be cute or overly, you know, or give the audience something to speculate about. I don't know, um, but um, I did like the fact that we do see, you know, Rebecca. Not again, the writers leaving us to fill in a decent number of gaps, but uh, Rebecca gets to a point where. You know, not only is she over Rupert to a point where she's not looking to use the team or use um, use various or use soccer or use against him, but she has actually left him behind by the end. Yeah. Um, so you know, we do get that she does. They the writers do give her that um, that ability to completely move past Rupert and you know walk away and realize. You know, yeah, he's never going to change. He was never going to change. And it was never my fault. And I'm done. So I did like that part. This gives me the opportunity to segue into mentioning a name that has been mentioned entirely too little. Uh, and I'm very <laughs> cross with all of you. And that would be one Sam Obesanya. Let's go to the audio tape. I understand. Take as long as you need. It's okay. Thank you. But Rebecca, there's something I should warn you of. Yes. I'm only going to get more wonderful. He's only going to get more wonderful and... And it's true! It's absolutely yeah. <laughs> true, and I'm not sure what the story arc could be, but I, and I'm not sure if um, I'm not sure what you'd need to surround Sam with uh, for an, for a spinoff focused on him necessarily. But 
he was so he was so good. Tohib Jamot was so good all three seasons. He just grows in um, power and um, agency uh, and, and 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 character and strength. The episode with his father, all the oh, feels, so uh, and mm-hmm. the, and the and the team repair the team repairing his uh, store. You know that that story is taken care of and kind of dismissed in one episode. But there is so much more to say about uh, footballers of color and Sam's story. Um, I, I, whether there is a Roy Kent or an AFC Richmond story, or if um, if the men's team gets some cameos in the story of the creation of the women's team, whatever, I want to see more of Sam and more of Tohi Jimo. He is one of my favorite characters. Just a delight on screen. Every scene. He's amazing. I just, yeah, I I would watch, I would watch a Sam spinoff for sure. I think a Sam spinoff would be uh, restaurant Sam, restaurateur, franchising, maybe doing different varieties, using um, the food and, and, uh, like culture around the restaurant that he's doing as a way of like providing social commentary as a whole, maybe mix in some politics. Like you can get a good story there with the occasional, you know, uh, Richmond boys coming in uh, and other favorites. Uh, I could absolutely see that. I started off I started off, you know, pointing out the analogies between Ted Lasso and Star Wars um, as an incomparable list would be prone to do. But the parallels between Ted Lasso and Cheers are very, very obvious as well. And Cheers showed you that the spinoff doesn't have to resemble the original in any way. Just take Mm -hmm. the characters and do something with them. So that's an intriguing idea. Well, along that same line, let's have a May. Let's have, you know, the, the, yes. Tales from the pub. Yes. Yes. Tales, yes. I just want this secret reveal that May's been a Slovene behind the uh, bar all the time. <laughs> all along. That's crossing one too many streams. No, no. Uh, uh, but let's, um, let's have, you know what? We don't even need a full series of each of these stories, we could have a show that's individual episodes of individual storylines, like continuing on. So you have one episode that's all about um, Sam's uh, restaurant, one episode that's Tales from the Pub, one episode that is beard being beard, you know, all of these things that are like a, what is it called? You know, like the Black Mirror vibes. Anthology whatever. show. Yes. Yes. An anthology show. It would not be as fulfilling as the boss ass bitches show that I desperately want and need and deserve, but <laughs> I would also be okay with that. So going by my previous title suggestion, if we call this series that we're pitching Richmond, then it works rather than AFC Mm -hmm. Richmond because it's all of Richmond. So I think think Apple should uh, contact us and we'll set up a writer's room. (laughs) I am more than willing to assist. We are not scabs. We are not scabs. They got to settle this. No, uh, in the future. Listen, it... 
by the time by the time this gets to Apple's ears, uh, <laughs> the writer's strike will be solved and Look, fixed. Knock on wood. And- I, I, I'm just happy that I still own VaraniSports.co.uk, which is the, the <laughs> yeah, URL I love that. prominently Brilliant. featured even in this season. Even though there was a rumor that like, Nike or something was going to start doing the the yeah um, you, yep. the strips but that no it was still there and it still links to this podcast so amazing uh, perfect hey we've been going for a good uh go, good more than an hour which means that we're uh we've actually ex- gone past the length of a typical season three uh ted lasso episode this time around <laughs> but i did want to sort of get some final thoughts um it seems like all of us, anyway, were uh, were satisfied with the way that Ted Lasso ended. Certainly satisfied with the series uh, when you look at all three of them put together. And we're all open to more stories at set in Richmond or with these characters if they if if, uh, if they come to pass. Uh, any other final thoughts about Ted Lasso? I wish the Zava arc hadn't happened. Yeah. 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 It, it honestly is the one thing that could be taken out. They they yeah. could have found another way for Richmond to get enough wins to stay afloat. You know, yeah. I was kind of okay with it just because it was it was it, it was a nod to the it it was at least a nod to the fact that sports are complicated and sometimes you've got to you can't have the exact team hanging around um each other for two or three years at a time. But Yeah, it's it's the one thing though that to me felt like the writers indulging themselves in referencing real world soccer, real world yes. football. Or yeah. It's it's some executive was like, okay, I need this. And the writers are like, are you sure? And he's like, yes, or I'm taking away your funding. And they're like, cool, we'll make it so that everyone hates it. So nobody wants more Zava. And here you go. Poochie went off to his home planet. (laughs) (laughs) I think I think the thing for me is that I think I would have been okay with it if the other pieces we've talked about hadn't been dissatisfying. And Mm -hmm. I feel like it was just a thing that was introduced and then quickly taken away and then barely referenced later through, through the end of the series where instead of that, when instead of that, we could have had just that little bit of handholding that people needed to get more on board with Nate, to, to get more time with Rebecca and Keely, to see Keely win, you know, something. It just felt um, unnecessary given the other weaknesses of this season. Yeah. I would say, you know, like we, at points we've standed quite down on this season, but I still like really enjoyed the show. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I watched yes. it. Yeah, it was it was one of the shows that I would be watching week to week that we would generally we would watch with breakfast in the morning on the Wednesday because, you know, it, it I think it goes mm-hmm. up like, well, while we're asleep. But it, that was a kind of I'm going to watch this first thing because this is yeah. a little treat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, yeah. We've been kind of focusing on season three and, you know, the, the bits that didn't land. Um, but overall, I think it landed well. Um and it is certainly something I will go back and watch again. Um, if if a spinoff happens, I will certainly see what they come up with. And I think, you know, overall, um, it 
I think overall they succeeded in, you know, the various messages about general positivity and optimism in one's life, in taking care of oneself mentally, um, you know, all of these different pieces they had that they wanted to put out there into the um into the conversations. Overall, I think they they did most of what they needed or wanted to do. Yeah, I think as a whole, the idea of having a conversation about toxic masculinity in a space that seems to be fairly, I don't want to like term it a safe place because, uh, you know, all of the reasons because society is terrible sometimes, but being able to have these conversations in ways that feels easier to have with people that maybe aren't on the same internet that we are. Maybe um, non-threatening. Yes, yes, non-threatening. That's exactly it. And and be put in terms that they can understand and feel positive about. I think that overall was a great aspect and a great thing to put out into the world when we needed it as much as we did. Um, and I'm excited to see other shows maybe in the future when the writer's strike is over because that's going to happen at some point in the future, I hope. Um, try and recreate this and hopefully succeed in a way that feels authentic to how they want to do it and feels supportive and lovely because the world needs more joy. And I would say, as I kind of echoed earlier, so many of the actors in this show I didn't know before, and now I just want to see what they're going to do next. Yep, me too. I am just thrilled that we had this uh, series, um, grateful for it, looking forward to something new. And I do want something more from this team after they've had a good long rest and the writer's strike is resolved in the writer's favor. And then, um, you know, Brandon Hunt and Jason Sudeikis have said that their original idea well before that they uh, successfully sold the show to Apple and Warner Brothers was to follow the the format of the UK office, you know, two six episode seasons and then a special uh, they got a lot more than that, and I'm glad. And they could do whatever they want uh, to extend uh, the Ted Lasso cinematic universe if they choose, and I think I'll take it. Uh, so that has been uh, the Mothership wrap-up for Ted Lasso. Uh, Kathy Campbell, thank you so much for joining me on this one. Barbecue sauce. Aline Sims, likewise, thank you so much. Do, 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 do. <laughs> <laughs> Shannon Sutterth, thank you. Uh, you're very welcome. In this case, this is a time I will not be a goldfish because I want to remember all of this. And finally, James Thompson, thank you so much for joining us from the Kingdom of United. I will now dedicate all of my time and all of my energy to my family and my avocado farm. <laughs> and on this no on that note on that bombshell as another british show like to say uh thank you so much for joining us and we will see you next time on the incomparable mothership take care <laughs>